Welcome to you New Money. I'm Brian Hurst this evening. We're once again focusing on retirement planning. Most working South Africans contribute in some form to retirement savings, whether this is through membership of a pension or provident fund, retirement annuities, tax-free savings, investment properties and other vehicles. Not enough attention is given to the ultimate sum required to give financial freedom in retirement. Joining me this evening, good to have back on the program, is Jason Sharp, CEO of Paramount Life. Jason, good evening. Thanks very much for joining me. Evening, Brian. Jason, difficult thing, very daunting task. We, everyone's got a, some, some form of retirement saving, but there's never any correlation between what you're saving and what you need at retirement. And also, furthermore, when you reach retirement, there's no correlation between how long longevity, how long you're going to live for. So how would you, I mean, in, with all your actuarial experience and knowledge in, in this field in retirement planning, how would you develop a, a good formula? I've got a formula which I'll deal with, but I'd like to hear your view on it. So the biggest emphasis is, is that retirement planning is not a one-time event. You don't start at 20, say, this is my plan, and then pray by the time you're 65, your plan has worked out. Something you have to review at least every year. Why? Because the goalposts are consistently shifting. What have your returns been on your current contributions and your existing assets? What has inflation been on your income requirements? So as you approach retirement, you get a better idea of how much money you will require in order to meet your expenses in retirement. So that gets you through the savings phase and allows you to reach retirement. We know today that per million rand, you would not in order to maintain a long-term retirement income, you should not draw more than 50,000 Rand per million Rand invested. Now, so that's 5% an annum. That's 5%. That's less, than, less than 4,000 Rand a month on a million Rand. The key here is, is that's for the average life. Now, if we were to all live as the average, we would all be happy. But we all know you have some people who have longer expected longevity, other people who have shorter expected longevity. You have some people who want to invest their retirement money in riskier assets to try earn more income and have the ability to draw more income. They take on more risk. You have people who want to take less risk and therefore withdraw less in the knowledge that they know they have, will have that consistent income throughout retirement. So. The methodology we would use if a person's investing the money themselves is where would be to use a discounted cash flow. That's what that's basically doing is using uh, expectations of inflation, how much you would expect inflation to be in the future, how much you would expect your investment returns to be in the future, and for how, how long you would expect to be alive into retirement. So if you're going to survive till 75, 85, 95, or even 100, that would have a big impact on how much you would draw. Obviously, as we say to everybody, the easiest way to get an expectation is to get a guaranteed annuity quote. Why? A guaranteed annuity quote provides all those assumptions wrapped up in an annuity quote, in a value of income per month escalating by any percentage you want to test in order to show how much you could afford. And Jason, I mean, Paramount actually looks at it differently because while most insurance companies will look at an annuity at retirement and say, what is the age and gender of the individual? You'll look at health as well. And you say, if you're an unhealthy type of person with maybe a more hazardous occupation, you will give a much bigger pension than what one could expect in the market because life expectancy is that much shorter. Correct. Socioeconomic factors such as income occupations and smoker status and medical have a big impact on life expectancy. So you can imagine a person retiring at 65, if he's only expected to live five years, 
he would be able to draw significant, a significant higher percentage of his income than a person who's expected to live until they're 100. No. So let's just unpack. I mean, <coughs> take a 35-year-old got certain investments. They've also got expenses. And now those investments that they've got, if you really want to calculate what you need in retirement, you've got to take those investments and calculate what will they be worth at retirement age, say 65. Then you're also making contributions. So you've got to take into account those contributions at a rate of growth and calculate th that number. Then from an expense point of view, as you get to retirement, you should have a home paid for, no debt, and a good healthcare program. So you've got to deduct from your current expenses all those expenses that you're li unlikely to have. Your bond, uh, in any car, installment sales, uh, education, and obviously savings, because at retirement you're not going to do both. You're not going to be saving and, sp and, and, and drawing. You'd rather just save less and draw less. So Correct, because so otherwise you're doing the exact same thing. You're saving in order to spend, yeah. and you're yeah. earning a net zero. So, so, so really, you've got to, someone, a financial advisor has got to sit with you and do those calculations and then say, right, based on, if you need, let's say your expenditure is 40000 but 25000 you won't have. So if you retire today with no debt, home paid for, you need fifteen. You've got to escalate that figure, and at a 6% return, as you know, your money halves every 12 years, the law of 72. So it's quite complicated, but you've got to sit and do it. Because if you don't do it, you really are in no man's land. You've got the savings. I'm saving for retirement, but there's no correlation. You just don't know where that ends. You save for retirement to generate an income in retirement, and people should never, ever forget that. With retirement savings, first consider, can you afford an income? and secondary is leaving a legacy. And as we talked about now, the issue of projections, if your financial advisor is not using Excel, is not using the tools available in order to project your savings to show what you'll be able to earn in retirement income, your retirement planning is being done wrong. And I emphasize this, every year you should be reviewing that plan in order to achieve your goal. Well, we're going to take a short break. You can call us on 011-483-1518. We're talking retirement planning this evening. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to New Money this evening. We're discussing retirement planning. My guest is Jason Sharp, and you can call us 011-483-1518. You can also email me on brianh at bhca.co.za. Before I take my, my, my emails, do you think that the, the, the concept of longevity, people understand that, you, as you say, it's not a one-off event. When you reach retirement, you may still have 30 years longer to actually use the funny monies you've saved, and you may have only started saving in the 30s. In our experience, we found people with sufficient money understand the concept of longevity. Unfortunately, where people haven't saved enough money, we typically get the response, well, there's no way I'll live longer because I just don't have the money. Now, unfortunately, that's not how longevity works. Uh, and we've seen a lot of people, we deal with a lot of people who move into their 80s, have overspent, and are now trying to extract the maximum amount of money out of their remaining savings. And that can be done by understanding how long they're expected to live. It's not only inflation and longevity and the risk you take, you've always said it's behavior. I mean, you've got this lump sum at retirement and now 
you suddenly buy a new car, do an alteration home, lend your children on the never-never basis, I mean, to, for their home, and all of a sudden that amount of money you had of savings is now depleted, and each year you actually need more, not less. Well, for a majority of people, a million rand would be more money than they've ever had sitting in a current account. Unfortunately, that million rand, as I said, for an average 65-year-old male, is only 50,000 rand a year. Now, trying to convince a person with a million rand to only draw out if they're in a living annuity 50,000 rand is very difficult, unless you're showing and projecting forward the impact of that. Don't forget one thing about retirement. It's a mathematical calculation. There's no emotion in it. It's factual. If you take how much the person's going to be draw, to draw, you take the investment return and you take the longevity aspect, it will show you exactly how things will turn out in that mathematical form. And Jason, in the earlier part of a living annuity, you've actually got to draw a lot less because, I mean, if you started a living annuity last September and even 5%, you may find that you're drawing 5 but with the way the markets have performed in the last six months and certainly the strength of the RAND and RAND head stocks falling, you may find that suddenly you've got less because you're drawing too much. So in the early years, draw a lot less. Correct, because the word volatility has a major impact based on when you draw the income. So if you're drawing your income when the value of your portfolio is down, you actually lose the effect of compound interest and your investment compounds downwards, not compounding upwards as happens before retirement. It's one of the reasons why we distinguish bef between pre-retirement and post-retirement. Pre-retirement, you're not drawing out money, so you can take... You want to take more risk. You want to take more risk because you can go through the ups and downs and there's no real impact because you're interested in the long-term return, five years, 10 years, 20 years. Let's come back to it. Let me just take John's call. John, good evening. Go ahead, do the question, please. Good evening. Yes, I'm a trustee of a pension fund. I'd like to know as a trustee, how do we undertake a due diligence on the providers to our funds? Thanks, John. Okay, let's just finish that. Yeah, uh, Jason, very important because when you talk about the power of compound interest, interest on interest, if you're drawing down and the funds are falling, then actually you're eating into your capital all the time when really you want your capital to grow. So, I mean, we have seen, I mean, I mean, we talk about offshore. I mean, I'm still a proponent and believe in global diversification simply because, not only because of the RAND, because there are so many good companies outside of South Africa compared to the companies that you can invest in South Africa. Tech technology, you maybe got maybe NASPERS to invest in South Africa, maybe one other. Globally, you've got 10 top technology stocks and, and the like. So there is a good case for investing offshore and having part of your pension in a global portfolio. Diversification will always apply. The more you, the less you're exposed to a single movement, the better you are in retirement. Let's take John's question. John asked a question about due diligence on providers. So we've got asset managers, we've got administrators, we've got insurers. Very difficult for a board of trustees to actually due diligence. They've got to rely on the external resources. But today, I mean, it's very difficult to, to, to do that. I mean, Jason, I don't know if you sit as a trustee anymore on any funds, but as a trustee, is, is it the right idea to have either in an in a umbrella fund or is to have a professional trustee on your board? Well, it's one of the reasons why there's such a large movement towards umbrella funds. In a smaller fund, if you think about it, the cost of that due diligence in, a big f in an umbrella fund versus a single, uh, single company fund is the same. You're doing the exact same due diligence. And while we've seen the movement towards umbrella funds, that being said, there's still a space for 
individual uh, pension and provident funds, uh, but the party under doing the due diligence on behalf of the fund would have to be independent, very important. They would have to have no interest in any of the third party providers to the fund and would have to be doing it comprehensively day in and day out. The guys doing those due diligences as independent parties know the drill. They've done it for multiple funds and that's how you bring down the cost of that. Eric, could you go ahead with the question? Brian, I want to know that when I die, how I ensure that my benefits go to the people that I nominate. Jason, Section 37C, Pensions Fund, says you can nominate who you like, but the trustees are responsible for paying those benefits to dependents and not necessarily your nominated beneficiary. Very different to life insurance and any type of investments. Now, I would say the only way you, Eric could do that is, obviously, if you reach retirement and you then buy a living annuity, even at age 55, and you draw the minimum and reinvest the minimum, then you can, then you can nominate who you want. But prior to retirement, you can't. You can't, and people need to be careful. The emergence of in-fund living annuities and in-fund annuities has happened quite a lot lately. Now, those in-fund annuities are still governed by the Pension Funds Act. So people need to know that even though you have a living annuity, you have to make sure that you as the individual or Eric would have to make sure he is the beneficial owner of a policy. So has it been purchased from an insurer? Then the, pen, then the Long-Term Insurance Act applies and his beneficiary nomination uh, will apply. Because there are no trustees. There are no trustees, up to, up to that stage, whilst they're in a fund, whoever you nominate, the trustees are, are responsible in finding dependents and not necessarily the beneficiary. Correct. Warren in Musenberg says, I have an RF falling due, but I'm still working. Please could we explain the options available? Well, Warren, simply, you can either make, stop paying, but just leave it in limbo. You can carry on contribution. That's certainly the best thing to do, because all the roll-up in those funds are, are tax-free. There's no dividends tax, no CGT, no tax on interest or property, income. <coughs> Um, and those are really the options. And one of the benefits of continuing to work longer means that your retirement is expected to shorten. So now you're having the double benefit of growing your assets further and those grow, grown assets have to pay an income over a shorter duration, which means a better retirement. The only advantage really of getting older is your money is lot, lot, lot shorter. Correct. Well, Wesley, oh, we've got another call. Mark, uh, Mark good evening. Go ahead to the question. Good evening, Brian. Um, I work for government and a member of the GPF um, I'm getting divorced. Can I transfer 50% of the benefit to my wife? Um, Mark, you can. Uh, Pre-1998, when uh, government funds were tax-free, uh, there, there is something in the Act that's the problem. You need to look at that, Mark. But anything from 1998, it's exactly the same as the commercial uh, pension funds. You can transfer to your wife on divorce, but make sure all the documentation is correct. It's not just a, st a statement in your divorce agreement, is I, is, I, is, I, is, I, is I, I transfer it to my wife. You need to make sure that the wording is correct, you check with the insurance company. Jason, anything you'd like to comment and, on? And consult with the GEPF exactly the wording required in the divorce court order. If it's not written into the divorce court order, it can create significant problems and can result in a tax liability. As We're going to take a break. You can still call me 011-483-1518. You've got a chance to chat to Jason. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly.
Welcome back to New Money. This evening we're talking retirement planning. My guest, Jason Sharp. Wesley Amschlanger says, can I make contributions to multiple companies to make use of the 500,000 tax-free portion on retirement? I've never had a pension or retirement fund before. You can, Jason. Yeah. Because today you can draw 247,500 rand out in cash. So as long as you don't make it to the same pension fund, if you make, let's say, 100,000 contribution to three different companies, and in five years' time, you withdraw that money from each company. It's less than 247500 And it's separate, different pension retirement funds. You will be able to make use of that 500000 I'm always worried when somebody sets their retirement strategy in order to beat the tax man. Well, he's trying to get the 500000 He makes the point. I've never used it. I mean, in retirement or retrenchment or early retirement, you can get the 500000 So someone, in, someone who's self-employed, Sure. doesn't get the advantage of that 500,000 rand tax-free at retirement if they don't have retirement funds. True, true, but always be careful. The tax laws can change over time. Government over the past several years has been undergoing a retirement reform process. Uh, I would be careful making investments for reason in retirement funding other than for pure retirement reasons. Philip in Port Elvis says, how do I decide what is appropriate amount to draw from my living annuity? You made the comment. 5% on a million. Appropriate? I would tell Philip right now, he can phone me, he can yeah. email me afterwards, get a guaranteed annuity quote. Get a 5% escalating guaranteed annuity, a 10% escalating annuity, and we'll begin. You'll be drawing more from that uh, fixed annuity, and you won't be taking on the well, risk of how much you draw and what investment. He doesn't, he doesn't even need to go into the guaranteed annuity, but that gives him the risk-free income that he could draw. If he draws more, He's taking more investment risk than the insurer, more longevity risk than the insurer, and more inflation risk than the insurer. If he's drawing less, he's taking less risk. Ultimately, it becomes a risk equation. It becomes an equation. You have to know what risks are you taking and what you aim to achieve. Retirement won't necessarily in a living annuity be one endpoint. It will be a multiple endpoints based on what happens. He has to understand the sensitivity and make his his decision knowing that if things go wrong or the risk he takes doesn't work out the implications of that. But Jason, think about it. Someone saved all their lives. They now come and buy a, a, a fixed annuity with an escalation yep. and they die four years later. Under a living annuity, their assumption is that I will my family and that I've saved for all these years will receive whatever's left in the fund. But that's a, that's a myth in the South African market today because you can actually buy capital protection products that leave money for your family. So now you know how much premium you're paying every month in order to leave a legacy to your family. You know how much income you're going to get. There's certainty. In a living annuity, you don't really know how much money you're going to leave to your family. All you know is, is that you're going to draw and pray that at the end, there's going to be some amount of money left over there. And in a living annuity, it's left to the individual to balance Capital protection versus income. If you buy that capital protection or that protection to provide your family with some money left, I mean, you can't. I mean, someone at 65 is going to battle to pa buy life insurance and is going to pay Not an exorbitant premium. With, with Paramount Life, it, it works. It balances out. You've got guaranteed insurability. You're guaranteed to be able to buy that life cover, and you get a real cost. You know, as an example, if the premium is a thousand rand, you are you have a thousand rand less disposable income each month in order to leave your family a legacy. It changes the discussion because now all of a sudden it isn't oh some lump sum, it's an actual reduction in income in order to leave a legacy, which 
which helps people to understand those costs and make a decision based on rational thinking of how much actually yes, need to live. Because they're actually seeing, I could get X amount, let's say 15,000 if I retire, but by wanting to leave my family money, I can only get 13 and a half. Make the call. Spot on. And then there's the decision. We have family members who pay the life premiums because the parents are saying, I need the income. If you want that legacy, you have to contribute it towards That's that. That's a great idea. Because sit down with your family and say to them, I'm going to buy this because that's the income I need. I don't want to come to you for help. But if you want to make sure there's capital, then you make that investment and you will get that capital one day. Spot on. Irene Kloof says, what are my options if I leave my job regarding my retirement fund? Well, today you can leave your money in the retirement fund, can't you? You don't have to take the money out. And th- that's changed things because typically retirement funds have significantly lower fees than if you were to go into an RA, one of the commercial funding models for retirement. Uh, so you can default into that. Many funds now changing to a default preservation. Before, after six months, you were kicked out the fund. Now the fund will be obligated to retain your money pending you making a decision. So you could buy a preservation fund, which means just shift from company, from fund to your own fund tax neutral until you decide, gives you options to withdraw. You could put into retirement annuity, but they'd lock in, and you could transfer it to the new employer's fund. Correct. The trouble employing transferring to new employer's fund, you're also locked in, because you, can you can't say, well, I want to take my, the money I brought across, but I'm not resigning. You can only get all the funds on resignation. Correct, correct. Yeah. Jerome in four says, please explain the benefits of extending my retirement by five years. Lovely, you love that, Grayson. So extend uh, your retirement by five years. I'll, ex- I'll explain it in, in simple terms. In five years, Jerome's assets say he had a million rand. In five years, if he's earning 10% a year, and I'm going to ignore compounding, he'll have one and a half million rand potentially as a result of returns. If he was only going to, if originally he was expected to live 20 years, his million would have needed to last him 20 years. Now he'd have one and a half million to last him 15 years, which changes the equation. It means he lives a better retirement. So if you, that's what I'm saying. If you can extend your retirement, great way of making sure you've got some financial independence. Correct. Philip in Cape Town says, I'm 39 years old. I'm going to increase my retirement annuity. Do I add to my existing RA or buy another one? I think, I mean, you, 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 it's not like buying a policy. You're just becoming a member of a fund. Correct. Certain funds have different fees if you, based on the size of the assets you have in the fund, so that would give him some benefits. Uh, but other than that, there's no real benefit for, for splitting. Yeah. One has a window of opportunities to still save, save for retirement and get the benefits of saving tax by contributing to the retirement duty before the 28th of February. Although re- revenue limits you to a maximum of 20.5% of your taxable income, and contributions capped at 350000 per annum, it's still a wonderful vehicle to increase your retirement savings. Tax-free savings schemes are also useful, however, it is with after-tax RANDs, but similar in retirement duties, there's no tax on interest, dividends, and capital gains. You also have a lot more flexibility in accessing funds under these tax-free savings investments. Everyone's circumstances are different, and for this reason, I suggest you meet with your financial advisor to understand what suits your requirements. It's important to get that professional advice. Jason, once again, thank you for joining me this evening. It's important to note our program is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. Next week's program, we'll be dealing with healthcare. If you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. Thank you for watching and good night.